Many doubted we'd ever see it, but here it is. The return to glory. McDavid stops up. What a move. Shoots. Scores. Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Outsiders. It's Bryn Griffiths along with Robin Brownlee. This is the initial one of these that we're bringing to you. How you doing, by the way? Hey, I'm great. I say let's go. I'm with you. It's about time. I've been away for a while. You've been kind of away for a while, but let's let's first and foremost tell everybody what this podcast is all about, and it's an opportunity to give a little different spin on sports. Sometimes we'll talk about the hot topic of the week, Sometimes we just get somebody great on, like today, where we'll talk about a hot topic or two and then kind of get into their career a little bit because we've never really had a chance to do that exploration. And I'm looking forward today because we have Chris Cuthbert from TSN who's going to be joining us on the podcast today. A couple of things about us because not everybody knows who we are or what we've done. My name is Bryn Griffiths and I'm a 30-plus veteran of broadcasting. I have worked on NHL broadcasts. I have worked on pregame and postgame shows. I have done rock radio sports. So I've been around for quite some time. You've also been around. I've known you for a long time. You've been around doing good stuff. You went to the dark side as well, Bryn. I believe you worked in media relations (laughs) for the uh, local hockey team here. Yes, actually, I worked for two NHL teams in public relations, the Winnipeg Jets back in the early 90s, and then the latter part of the 90s with the Edmonton Oilers, I refer to those as the gory years. The, uh, <laughs> yes, it was not, I was there. Not a very uh, fun time, but you learn a lot when you work with an NHL team. You see behind the curtain. It's like the Wizard of Oz. You see behind the curtain, and you see it a little differently. But for me, that just I think that made me more dangerous as a broadcaster when I got back into it because I wasn't being fooled by any of that shit, right? Well, you know, it's funny. I was on the other side, but I was one of those guys who – tended to sneak behind the curtain every once in a while doing my job. Hey, you know, I'm a newspaper guy. I broke in as a print journalist. You know, I spent, you know, 20 years here at the dailies. Uh, You know, I spent four years uh, in the farm team at the Kamloops Daily News back in the days when Ken Hitchcock was the coach there. And some of the kids who were in the Hall of Fame now were scared 16-year-olds, you know, And the radio thing, the reason I like sitting behind the mic doing this, well, first of all, I've always loved good broadcasting. Second of all, a couple of guys in town, uh, when my newspaper days uh, came to an end at the dailies, were were kind or perhaps foolish enough to let me have a microphone and some some time on the air. Uh, Bob Stoffer gave me my first chance behind the mic, and then I spent nine years with Jason Greger at TSN 1260, A lot of fun. Uh, It was a a complete joy all the way. And, you know, here we are uh, with our, we've bugged each other for a little while about doing something like this. And here we are. One of the things I want to address is, uh, and I hear this a lot, and I've heard it a lot in particular lately, and that is a media misconception. Let's just touch briefly on this for a second. And that is that the shackles are off. We even use that expression because we're not working for a specific hockey team or a specific media outlet now. Uh, We always talk about the fact that we're free to speak. Well, I just want to say one thing because I keep seeing it and I keep hearing about it and people say, well, now it's going to be crazy. Well, you know what? You're going to get maybe a little more of a raw version of us than you've heard in the past. But I've never really felt ever 
and I say ever, where I've had a hockey or a football club tell me what I can say on the air. And nobody is threatened to take away credentials. I keep reading about this. People say, well, they're afraid to speak because the team will come down hard on them. Yeah, I've had a couple of conversations in general manager's offices over the years about maybe something that was said, but I've never had anybody suggest that my credentials would be taken away if I spoke how I really felt. And one of the things that I want to do in this podcast is I want to really talk about how I feel. I'm not going to worry about whether or not it's going to upset a hockey team or a player. I think if you're fair... That's going to be good enough. The guys who last a long time in this business, Bryn, are fair. You know, and and this isn't a knock on the way things are done now, but this is the hot take era, and I get that. Have an opinion, put it out there, and people want to listen to that. If you can defend it, uh, that's fair, fair game. Uh, you know, I come from a, a little bit of a different era. Uh, if you had something to say or something to write, uh, you showed up in the dressing room the next day to talk about it. You touched on this, and I find it interesting. While I have not had anybody threaten to pull my credentials over something I've written, there's been reactions over the years. And you know what? When you step away from it, they're understandable. Uh, professional teams, be, be they here in Edmonton, the Oilers or the Eskimos, they have a certain message and a certain image they want to get out. That's fine for them. But the idea that the working media was somehow in cahoots with them. That always made me smile because I tell you what, I've lost track of the times where I was pulled around a corner and said, did you really write that today? <laughs> oh, you know, or where it was strongly suggested that you just made yourself look like a dumbass because you're wrong. So if you've got a source, I'd suggest you get a new one. I've had blowback over things I've written. It's not hold hands, get out our message, you're part of the team, uh, this, that, and the other thing. Far from it. There's been a, I've seen a fair amount of friction, and as a beat guy with the Oilers for many years, you would make people unhappy if you were doing your job. Now, that doesn't mean uh, you shout somebody down or they give you an answer and you say, come on, coach, you know that's bullshit and so do I. There's people out there, I think, who want you to do that, and they feel like doing that because they're emotionally invested. I get it. But as a reporter, you ask the question, and you can press with a follow, but if somebody gives you an answer, you can't say, hey, you're blowing smoke, coach. Come on, tell the truth. And as for political complications, yeah, there are some, because if you have a really good relationship with a player, you want to pick your spots a little bit because you want to continue to get that relationship out there. Because where do you get your stuff from? You get your stuff from good sources. I would never out one of my NHL sources that, that don't live in Edmonton. What, what would be the point of that? So politically, you, you got to be a little careful. However, I've never had anybody, nobody I've talked to has ever said, I don't want you to say that. I usually say, can I use that? And the moment I do that, if it's a yes or a no, I use it. If it's a no, I don't use it. And I don't think that's wrong. If you, Bryn, and this, this sounds corny and homespun if you are fair in the long run people will talk to you they will not always like what you write or what you say but if you're seen as somebody who's just laying in the weeds making them to look bad they won't respect you and on the flip side of that coin if they see you 
as a fart catcher where it's always sunshine and lollipops, guess what? Oh, yeah. They may say hi, good morning, but they don't respect you doing that either. If you play it down the middle and you've got something to say and you're fair with it and you're not personal and snide with it, I always found whether it was a real passionate guy, somebody people here in Edmonton know very well, like a Kevin Lowe who played here, coached here, and was a GM here. There were times he'd look at me like he wanted to kill me. But I tell you what, he knew I wasn't laying in the weeds waiting for a misstep from him. There's a difference. Play it, criticize when warranted, praise when warranted, and people over the long run will talk to you. You can track us down. You can send us an email at mightymouth at shaw.ca at any time. And you can drop a note or two about what you like on the show, what you would like to see on the show. Any of your thoughts, we welcome you to get a hold of us once again at mightymouth at shaw.ca. Okay, enough about that. Let's get into, the, you know what? I wanted to talk about the hot topics of the day, but the fact we have Chris Cuthbert on today, you and I started getting into a conversation over coffee much earlier about the fact that Chris Cuthbert is certainly one of the best broadcasters ever in Canada when it comes to play-by-play. For the most part, a two-sport guy. He does more. We'll find out about that later. But he's a hockey and a football guy. One of the Well, he's the lead voice on TSN for CFL. And he uh, also does a ton of hockey, does regional hockey down east for, I think it's Ottawa, and does some Leaf games, I think. We'll find out. And then the other thing, he does a lot of the, the on NBC Sports. He's one of their lead play-by-play voices there as well. But we started talking about the soundtrack of your life mm-hmm. growing up. And this is, for me, growing up, it's I can break it into a radio category and a TV category. What about you? You grew up on the West Coast. So for you, you probably have a little different version. Radio, I'm guessing it's Jim Robson, right? Jim Robson was my connection to the Vancouver Canucks from the minute they came in to the National Hockey League on old CKNW. I would lay on my mom's bed listening to the radio, listening to Jim Robson uh, talk about the Canucks. This whole band of guys who had no chance early on. I mean, you get a new team, you're gonna you're gonna suffer as a fan for a little while. And Robson for me uh, was always the guy on the radio. When you talk about that soundtrack, uh, you know, I I think of that that light on and the radio and the dial. Yeah. Uh, and we're talking as a kid when the Canucks came in. Uh, you know, we're talking like 1970 here, so it's not, it wasn't then what it is now. And you had that radio and you turned it on, I'd listen to those games, and it was always Jim Robson. For me on TV, uh, I went south of the border actually, Bryn, because I was a, a, a fan of a lot of sports, but uh, the era of Muhammad Ali's do- uh, dominance, and when you got Muhammad Ali in those days, you got Howard Cosell. And I Take him or leave him, people who listen to him. There's lots of people on either side. He had the bad toupee. He had the very whiny, nasally voice in some ways. But Howard Cosell uh, documenting the career of Muhammad Ali is burned in my brain. And for me, I'll start with radio. I love listening on the radio to hockey broadcasts. And Rod Phillips in Edmonton, very strong voice. And I also listen to a lot of games out of Calgary. And Peter Marr, for me also... uh, 
not only is it a great individual, and I know both of those guys really well, but Peter Marr is uh, is one of those guys that, that I used to listen to a lot. Brian Hall is another guy in Edmonton. I learned a lot from Halsey. I had a chance to work with him, and I understand exactly how Brian ticks and how he works. And I learned a lot from just watching him perform every day. And then on the television side, for me, I'll use one U.S. guy that I always loved, Dick Enberg. Mm-hmm. He could do everything and do everything exceptionally well. And then up here in Canada, for me, it's really easy. It's down to four guys. Bob Cole, huge. Obviously, Danny Gallivan watched the Montreal Canadiens as a kid with my dad. Mm-hmm. He was outstanding. Don Whitman, you start taking a look at your top 10 sports moments in Canadian history. Don Whitman did a lot of them, like, for example, the Ben Johnson at the Seoul Olympics. You know, the high, the high point and then the low point. And also the following Olympics in Atlanta when Donovan Bailey and the boys absolutely ripped apart the American teams in both the 4-by-100-meter relay and also in the 100-dash. It was, it was an amazing time. Witt was very, very strong. So many CFL games. And then the other guy is the guy we're going to talk to in a couple of minutes, Chris Cuthbert. Yeah, you know, two sport guys like Chris, and you see you know, more actually, but for what he's known, I've listened to Chris for a long time now. Bryn, you know, he'd be seen as sort of one of our contemporaries as well. And he's as good uh, as anybody uh, I've listened to in a long, long time. You talked about those moments you had down funny. You didn't know I'd written them in my book. We had, I had two of the three same moments you had loaded up there uh, on the computer. Um, Chris is definitely one of them. I'll go with Cole all day long with you on that. I go back a bit further. Uh, We were talking earlier uh, you know, I remember Foster Hewitt and that Russian series. Part of it was the spectacle that the two countries were even getting together. Uh, guys like that, uh, you know, and Robson, and they. There are moments and certain calls that you never forget. And one quick mention too: you mentioned Rod Phillips. I came here. Uh, you know, the fan was beaten out of me by the time I got here through J School and four years as a as a writer in Kamloops. But, you know, Rod, I would listen to him. I was lucky enough when I took over the beat from Jim Matheson to ride on the plane beside Rod uh, for almost a decade. And he was as passionate about the Oilers off the air as he was on. And it was that passion. I don't care whether it was technically the best call, uh, game in and game out. Rod Phillips, what he delivered was coming straight out of his chest. And he cared about that hockey team, and good or bad, because believe me, for a rights holder broadcaster, Rod would get all over the Oilers. I loved listening to him, and just as much I loved sitting on the plane talking to hockey with Rod. And that's exactly what I also learned when I worked in Calgary with Peter Marr. Peter spoke from the chest, from the heart. And Peter also understood that while he was doing a hockey game and respected both teams on the ice, he was broadcasting to a Calgary Flames crowd. So he wasn't going to apologize for that. Two guys will be fun to get on the show at some point through the hockey season. Uh, you talked about magical moments. How about like this one? On the ice for the Gimlet. The Gimlet Goosebumps, just listening to that one. We have a few other calls from Chris that we'll play after we're done with him because I don't want to embarrass him. He's such a humble guy. He really is. I don't, I've don't. i known Chris since the 90s, early 90s. He hasn't changed a bit. 
You still see him in the press box. He always comes over and says hello. Love that about the man. Well, the hair's changed a bit. <laughs> well, look at I've put on about 55 pounds since then, but and I'm grayer, so... Uh, I should talk, yeah. Yeah, so I'm not going to even go down that road. When we come back, yeah, we're going to be talking with Chris Cuthbert. So much stuff to talk about. In particular, I want to talk to him about attendance in the Canadian Football League because that is a big issue. I know you and I have been chatting about that, and so there's a lot we'll dig in with Chris when we come back after this. Pro-Am Sports is Edmonton's home for sports and entertainment memorabilia. Featuring unique collectibles and apparel, we've got you and your fan cave covered. Pro-Am Sports, located in Edmonton at 12728 St. Albert Trail and proamsports.ca. Joining us on The Outsiders, our pleasure to welcome Chris Cuthbert. How are you? I'm good. Uh, if you're going to have a show called The Outsiders, you might as well start with one. Well, come on. You've been a longtime voice of hockey and football in this neck of the woods for, like, forever. And, and I've known you since the 1990s. But before we start getting into, you know, all about you, I want to talk to you about what's going on with the Canadian Football League because, obviously, you're the main guy on TSN. And Robin and I were chatting today. We're a little concerned about the attendance numbers. We've only seen one to three games so far this season through week 10 where the crowds have been over 30,000. Does that bother you? I'm, I'm not as concerned as, as some people are. I, I think we started the season too early. Uh, I think there's a sentiment in Saskatchewan and Northern Alberta that, uh, that the season should move up. But uh, um, my fear in moving the season up is that there was no buildup. There was no... Uh, interest in training camps and that the possibility of a Canadian team in the Stanley cup finals or in the deep into the Stanley cup run would completely overshadow any, any early season interest. And, and I didn't have the foresight to think about a Toronto Raptors championship season, but, uh, but that's in fact what happened. And, and I mean, our first, our first week of games were, were weekend were basically in the uh, right in the middle of the Raptors uh, celebration and, and 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 I think it took a few weeks just for everybody to get into the season. Um, uh, I still think there's some things they should should be able to do to to increase uh, attendance and uh, I, I think that in some markets they've they pushed the price point and. Uh, and and that's that's their business decision, and I, I I'm not going to tell them how to run their business, but uh, I I see TV ratings that are basically the same that are uh, that are higher than just about any other sport in the country other than hockey, and and so that's why I'm maybe not as worried as some people. Chris, I've been a, a CFL fan. I mean, I was going to games at Empire Stadium when Tom Wilkinson was a BC Lion, thirteen uh, year old kid. I've seen this league for a long time, covered it for a little while as well. I guess uh, the one thing that surprises me is how it struggles in the nation's uh, biggest city. Uh, Toronto is a good sports town. We've seen it with the Blue Jays. We've seen it with the Raptors. Uh, You know, the Maple Leafs still draw, even though we know all about 1967. But when they when they trail the league in attendance and by a bunch, when you can't get more than fourteen thousand people out to a game, 
that worries me. To me, a healthy Toronto is a healthy CFL. Well, it, it does worry me too. Toronto is the the biggest concern in that area, and uh, uh, and it has been for a few years now. It used to be the it used to be the franchise that held up a lot of the rest of the league, and this is pre Eskimo dynasty. But uh, but back in the sixties and seventies, uh, Exhibition Stadium was there were fifty thousand, and and there were equalization payments coming from uh, from Southern Ontario that paid for. Uh, a lot of uh, expenses in Western Canada. It's, it's completely reversed now. Um, I don't have an answer at the moment. I thought BMO Field would be a, an answer, uh, and it's a terrific place to watch a football game. Um, but right now, this market is is got this big league, and I, I put that in quotes because I, I don't subscribe to it, but, but this market has a big league mentality and i and i even think a, a victory by the raptors um makes it even a harder sell uh just like when the blue jays were two or three years ago um trying you know on on the verge of uh, of, of potentially winning the world series all the uh, all the interest shifts to the fact that they can win on the on on the north american or the world stage and for whatever reason, here in Toronto, winning on the Canadian stage doesn't have the same impact. That frustrates me um, because I think there should be room in the marketplace for uh, for everybody. But for whatever reason, uh, in Toronto, uh, a Canadian league doesn't resonate as much as a, a chance to see a, a Toronto team play Boston or New York. TSN's Chris Cuthbert joining us on The Outsiders today. I grew up watching the Edmonton Eskimos as a kid in the knothole gang way back at Clark Stadium, and that's where my love for the Canadian Football League was developed. But what about you? Where did you start? And are we are, where we're at right now, Chris, is this basically where we're going to be? And maybe are we trying to hold the league to a little too high a standard when there's really nothing wrong with twenty five to 35000 a game? Listen, I, I remember a Cam Cole article when he was still writing for the Edmonton Journal about the fact that this league had become a twenty-five to thirty thousand uh, fan league, and that's when the TV ratings were probably under two hundred thousand a game. Now they're a half million or better for for most good matchups, and and some a little bit less than that. But but uh, but yeah, I I I don't. I'm. I don't constantly, uh, and I, I see this on Twitter a lot, where e- each week everybody's gnashing their teeth because there was, uh, you know, there was twenty six thousand in Edmonton instead of thirty two. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I really cringe when I see people criticizing that Saskatchewan only had thirty one when they can sell thirty three. Um, uh, you know, I I don't think that that's indicative that. Uh, that the league's in any difficulty. And again, I, I think there's, there's some marketing possibilities. There's some ticket pricing that could be better. Um, I've told you what I think about uh, uh, starting the season too soon. And, and you know what? I, I think there's, I, I think we've shot ourselves in the foot a couple of times. Uh, I mean, it used to be that Labor Day rematch was 60,000. It was back to school at Commonwealth. Well, that was so successful. They, they tried to change the back to school to another uh, another game, and they've never really recaptured the sixty thousand. 
And while players and the and the and the players association didn't like the quick turnaround for a Friday night, uh, we used to have two of the marquee games in the CFL were the Labor Day rematch and the Banjo Bowl. And one was Friday night, one was Saturday Sunday afternoon. We've stuck both those on the same day now. Yeah. And that really that really hurts the T V audience. It it ticks me off because those are two of my favorite games to call and now I can only do one or the other. Um but there's a lot of little things too. But uh but but to get back to the original question, as I said, uh, you know, when Cam Cole said this would be a twenty five to thirty thousand uh seat league um, I, I kind of thought that was underselling its potential, but as it turned out in, in a much crowded marketplace 10, 15, 20 years later, he was, he was bang on. Well, Chris, Cam's, Cam was right a time or two over his uh, Yeah, he, his he's got a pretty good track record. I should have <laughs> li- been listening right away. Well, if I was building a new stadium today, I was meant talking to Brent about this, Chris, uh, I would build it for thirty thousand, and if you're slightly over, you've got, you've created a demand. I I think the days of needing a fifty thousand seat stadium are over. Fine if you've got one, as we do here in Edmonton, uh, you're not going to knock it down uh, just because. But I think if you've got your niche, and if that niche is a thirty thousand uh, people at your, for your gate, I think that's fine. Now, I wanted to touch on something else with you, Chris, because I think it's it's a bit of a hot topic as well. The CFL, like the NFL, uh, quarterback-driven league. And the one thing I look when I look at, at the rosters of the teams, a lot of those quarterbacks are getting nicked up and dinged up, and that's the way the game goes. It's a physical game, but uh, it's difficult when the people that fans want to see uh, are on the training table instead of on the field. Yeah, it has been frustrating. There, there's been a silver lining, and and listen, we all want the number one guys to be playing. I when I when I'm doing a Calgary game, you you want Bowley by Mitchell on the field, and yet the injuries this year have opened the door to a couple of new stars in Nick Arbuckle and and Cody Fajardo, who I, I think right now is is in the conversation for for the outstanding player in the league. Uh, Vernon Adams has got an opportunity and he may or may not have won the job out mm-hmm. of training camp there, but, uh, um, there are, there are some quarterbacks emerging through opportunity and that's the good news. But the, but the bad news is we, we have lost some, some a guys and, and that does impact the, uh, the level of play in, in, in some situations. And, and, uh, and I don't know what you do about it because, they they have really cracked down on protecting the quarterback. Um, some of the, I mean, Bowley by Mitchell's back on the sixth game for the second time, and it was a non-contact injury. So there's nothing you could do about that. Uh, right. Zach Kalaros was a guy that uh, I think a lot of people wondered if if he'd be able to play uh, after the series of concussions he'd gone through prior to this season. One hit and he was gone. Um, Matt Nichols just last week, mm-hmm. and we—I don't think we've got all the details on that injury yet. But I guess that's the typical uh, quarterback injury when when a defensive end comes clean and and uh, is able to unload like uh, Sean Lemon did on Matt Nichols last week. So I, I don't know the answer, but but just to look ahead, guys, the league has implemented a rule for next year where 
they're only going to address two quarterbacks, and I, I think they're going to have to to reevaluate that decision. It surprises the heck out of me that the NFL has used a two-quarterback system for a long time. Um, but in the CFL, I, I, I think we've seen enough evidence that, uh, that we probably need to have three uh, on the field. And, and just, just the ability to, I think what it also does, it, it, it's, it's, they've made it a little more beneficial for a Canadian to start at quarterback under the new rules. And yet they've made it more difficult for a Canadian quarterback to actually make the roster because now there's only going to be two spots on each team. So uh, I think they've still got to, they've got to look at that in the off season, especially when we're now seven, I think out of the, the nine quarterbacks who started the year have missed some time uh, or will miss time in the case of Matt Nichols. And along that line, Chris, for crying out loud, would somebody please find a way to protect Mike Riley? <laughs> wow. You, you know what? What The most amazing thing, Robin, is he's, and I, I use the term loosely, but he's one of the last two guys standing. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's almost like watching uh, Muhammad Ali against Larry Holmes at the end. You don't want to look anymore <laughs> um, because he's just getting... He's just getting uh, uh, battered from pillar to post, and and uh, uh, and I don't think anybody saw the Lions uh, at one win at this po- at this point in the season uh, when it kicked off back in back in June. TSN's Chris Cuthbert joining us on the Outsiders. Okay, so that leads me to the next question: How much of this season does Mike Riley want to see the remainder of? Because this has been so horrible, I cannot believe that it has gone this far south for this football club. You've got to be amazed and shocked at the same time. Yeah, I, I, I don't get it. Um, uh, I did see holes in the lineup, and, and this is, you know, this is maybe the first test of, of a gamble that Ed Hervey made, and uh, to a certain extent Calgary made, but, but now through, uh, through an injury that they didn't want, they're going to get cap relief. But uh, I think the question going into the season was, could a team pay a quarterback – uh, that much of the salary cap without it impacting a lot of other areas of the field. And uh, you could see holes in the BC Lion roster before the season started. Um, but with that said, I, I don't think there's anybody that watched that team early in the season coming out of training camp that, that uh, thought they'd be a one-win team. Um, but uh, I, I, I think... I think they've been disappointing at receiver. He, he hasn't been surrounded by a lot of guys. Uh, Brian Burnham's probably the most reliable. Lamar Durant is, is a, uh, an elite-level Canadian receiver, but those are the only two productive guys right now when Mike Riley gets time to throw the football, and, and that has been the biggest issue so far this season, just getting the time to oh, yeah. find his targets. You know what you've done, Chris? You've just referred to Mike Riley as one of the two guys still standing. That's the Mike Riley who never goes for the foxhole, who's always willing to take the fire, right? <laughs> well, it's true, although, you know, I, I think this has impacted his play a little bit. His rushing totals are down, and why wouldn't they be? I mean, he takes enough hits already without volunteering for more, and yet I, I don't know if he's shying away from it, but there might be a level of self-preservation. I don't think he's throwing the football with the same confidence now, whether he's not stepping into the ball. 
uh, into the throws. Uh, I just, uh, I, I mean, he's he's the toughest hombre in the league in a lot of ways, and he has been regarded that for a few years. But it it just looks like you know he is he's starting to get beat up to the point it is impacting his his play and uh, and and how long is he going to be one of the last two guys standing? The other being Trevor Harris. Chris Cuthbert from TSN joining us on the Outsiders. Okay, that's a lot of hot topics for the Canadian Football League. You know, we don't get a chance to, to talk to you very much about other stuff. So Robin and I were talking before you joined us about uh, the soundtrack of your life, in particular the sports soundtrack of your life. And, for example, I said the top ten most memorable Canadian moments for me either feature Bob Cole, Danny Gallivan, who was a Habs fan, so maybe Danny doesn't fall in the top ten anymore. But certainly Bob Cole is there. Don Whitman is there. Chris Cuthbert is there. Do you have a top ten sports soundtrack? And who would be on your list? Because And I guess you'd have to take yourself off of there. Well, I, putting me on that list is pretty flattering. Uh, I grew up listening to... Uh, to Dan Kelly, who was doing St. Louis Blues games, and I, mm-hmm. I go to sleep with his uh, with a transistor radio under the pillow because KMOX would come in so clearly, and and Bob Wilson, who was the voice of the Boston Bruins, and I, I just as a fan of play by play announcers, those two on radio were were guys that were special for me. Um, obviously, Bob Cole early, and and even on radio, I used to listen on on Sunday nights to the, I think CBC radio had a game of the week on Sundays. And I, I always dreamed of being the guy in Boston or New York or Chicago or, or wherever who was calling the game. I just thought that would be the, the greatest thing ever. And Bob Cole was one of those voices. Fred Scambatti was yep. another and uh, uh, a big fan of, of Don Chevrier uh, as a kid um, of Don Whitman. Uh, and 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 I got to work with Whit for quite some time. Didn't didn't really work with Don Chevrier. Um, and, and among American announcers, uh, I, I I thought uh, Dick Enberg and 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 a young Al Michaels at the time were uh, were guys that uh, you know I I just uh, uh, hung on every word. It's interesting, Chris. We've all got things that stick in our minds and styles that we we remember and, and prefer. Sometimes it's the moment. Sometimes it's the call. It wouldn't matter if they were calling two people walking across a crosswalk. They do it so well. Growing up for me uh, on radio, it was Jim Robson in those early Canucks days in the NHL. He was he was exceptional. When I got to meet him uh, as a young reporter, I was thrilled. And then coming to Edmonton in 89, uh, after watching the Oilers beat the stuffing out of the Vancouver Canucks for fun, all the time, uh, riding the plane in the seat beside Rod Phillips. For me, the passion in Rod's voice is what always grabbed me and never, never let me go. What was it about some of the guys that you just mentioned that grabbed you? Well, I, I think it's that quality, and Rod had it, and Jim did, uh, uh, to, to make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. And if, if in my long-winded answer I forgot to say Danny Gallivan, I apologize because he's probably near the top of the list. Um, and I always, I've never talked to Rod about this, but I think I heard Danny Gallivan and Rod, and it's a compliment. I, I don't think we try to imitate uh, great announcers. I don't think that's a good idea, but I think... There's kind of that osmosis where 
Um, you learn from listening and you appreciate that style and, and you're not consciously doing it, but uh, some of it, you know, wears off a little bit. And when you mentioned Jim Robson, I, I think I hear Jim Robson in Jim Hewson and in John Shorthouse, both BC guys mm-hmm. who grew up listening to Jim Robson. And I don't think either one of them is, is trying to sound like Jim Robson, but I can hear that style. And I, I think for somebody like Jim Robson or, or the late Danny Gallivan, I, I think that's really a, a high uh, high praise that, and because uh, these guys have obviously been shaped by uh, by Hall of Fame announcers. I had the privilege of working in both Edmonton and Calgary and had the pleasure of working alongside Peter Marr as well, another Hockey Hall of Famer radio broadcaster. Boy, these guys, I'll tell you what, in radio too, you, you really are able to let it all hang out and you know you're playing to a certain crowd. A lot tougher, though, when you're doing national broadcasts, when you shifted from, and you still do some regional broadcasts, but do you have to consciously make a decision when you're on a national broadcast? you got to pull it back a little? Oh, for sure. Uh, and, you know, you know, as when you're working for TSN or Hockey Night in Canada, the toughest games are the, the all-Canadian matchups because it's like there's people at home that are keeping score. <laughs> and it's almost like you've got the... Uh, the egg timer that uh, if you've spent 15 seconds talking about uh, the Maple Leafs, the next 15 seconds better be about the Oilers. And, and that can be difficult when the, the final score of a game is 5 nothing. So I've noticed it more in, in the Twitter world and probably just since the Internet uh, in the late 90s. Uh, since then, fan reactions different because they hear, they hear a, a home broadcast for the most part and they get used to the fact that as a home broadcaster, they are being paid to just talk about the home team. And then they get a national broadcast, and all of a sudden, the the guy doing the same job is only talking about his team half as much and maybe uh, only half as flattering as, as the home broadcaster. And, and so, you know, I guess there's a reason why... For, for a college bowl game, ESPN has a national broadcast and two regional broadcasts to keep everybody happy. But uh, uh, you do have to be conscious of it. And, uh, and you also have to stop reading Twitter because at the end of the day, you're, you are trying to call it straight down the middle and you're not going to please the, uh, the rabid fan of one team or the other, uh, especially when you get those close uh, review calls, and you want to uh, <laughs> you want to give your opinion of what you've seen, and you know fifty uh, percent of the the fans don't want to hear that you think that goal should or shouldn't have counted. TSN's Chris Cuthbert joining us on the Outsiders, and you know you're as humble as they come, and I I'm I, I, I'm not telling anything out of school here, but when I talk about you appearing on my top ten soundtrack list. And you're humbled by that. When uh, when I look at some of those magical moments that you've done, obviously the golden goal is right there. But I I often have wanted to ask you what would be the number two moment for you? Not I'm is that number one first and foremost? Oh, it is number one, and I, I'd have trouble with the number two to be honest with you. Um, I I have fond memories of a number of Grey Cup games. Um, maybe the first one, which I. Sh- I, I'm not going to be very popular in 
in Edmonton because it was the uh, the '96 Grey Cup, which was you know for a lot of reasons it was a spectacular game. Um, the the wintry conditions, uh, it was high scoring, but it was my first Grey Cup, and I was I was wired, and I remember getting to the stadium. Uh, I'm about an hour away at the, uh, from from where the game was. And when I left my home, it was overcast and kind of a dull day, but that was it. By the time I got to the stadium, we were in a full blizzard and I was really let down because I thought the conditions were going to ruin the game, ruin my great cup debut, but <laughs> it, it was anything but from Eddie Brown's amazing catch to, uh, well, to uh, a couple of big touchdown returns and, uh, and even some controversy, uh, Doug Flutie, I think mentioned years later that uh, that a fumble that was ruled uh, uh, dead by a whistle should have been called a fumble and a recovery by the Eskimos. And anyway, it was just a spectacular game, and that's that's one of them. But I, I'd say there's about a half dozen great cups that are in that category. And, and I don't rate uh, individual hockey games as much as I do series. And there's been some amazing series that I've got to call over the years. And uh, um, those are the ones uh, from the 91 Oiler Flames series that went overtime in Game 7 to uh, the 94 Devils Rangers uh, that the Rangers won in overtime in Game 7 and went on to win their first Stanley Cup in a million years. Uh, there's a lot of those that stand out. And, and a five-overtime game between uh, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh that's the longest TV game ever uh back a few years ago that Keith Primo won and anyway lots of those and and uh, uh, and I could keep going because uh, <laughs> again I, I I really would have trouble saying what my second favorite call is well I tell you what Chris you you bring back some memories for me I was nodding as you were talking the one <laughs> I, off or... <laughs> no no just I tell you nodding what in agreement I believe is the... and I, I won't make any friends here either being in the city of champions one of my favorite calls was the flurry goal versus the Oilers in the playoffs. Well, that was game six. And the funny story about that is I used to really get fired up for games and, and I'd, I'd almost be hoarse after every game. Well, after flurry scored, I, I was kind of in that typical post game horse condition. Uh, the next game day, I wasn't much better. And I thought, well, I've, I've been through this before. I'll be fine for, for game seven. I showed up to the morning meeting at Game 7, and I still didn't have my voice. And uh, they called Bruce Buchanan that day to kind of be on standby. Um, one of the Euler doctors got me a, 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 a quick meeting with a, a throat specialist in Calgary, and, and, I, and I got some, uh, some high-powered medicine, and... Uh, about one o'clock in the afternoon and they said just drink as much as you can and don't say anything uh all afternoon so i think i i i didn't even try to speak until the warm-up with bruce sitting at my side and all of a sudden the voice was back and uh i never wanted to do a game more than game seven after what had happened in game six and uh, that little bit of whatever they gave me, I, I, I think I should have gone and lifted some weights during the afternoon because I might have actually built up some muscle. But uh, whatever they gave me worked, and, uh, and I got through, uh, through Game 7. Drink as much as you can. I've heard that a time or two over the years. <laughs> 
Hey, one other thing here before we let you go. You've done more than you've done more than hockey and and football. You've done other stuff as well, right? I, I have. I at, at back in the. I think I'm. Well, I'd have to. I'd have to do the recount, but I'm in. I'm into double figures on, on different sports. It's either eleven or thirteen, and uh, my little private uh, claim to fame is that I've called Olympic gold medals for Canada in five different sports. Uh, I'm not sure how much credit I get for a call on synchronized swimming because I'm still not sure how you do that. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I've been in the building and uh, called five different uh, Olympic gold medal sports. Thank you for your time today. We, we can't uh, thank you enough because I know you're tough to get a hold of. You're very, very busy, and we appreciate all of your time today. Thanks, CC. Well, I, I wish you guys all the best. And uh, if it all goes well and you get better guests than me, we'll have to rename it The Insiders. Well, <laughs> we needed, we wanted a big name to get things started. You fit. And I, like I said, I, I can hear you blushing from here, but thanks again, okay? Appreciate it, guys. All the best. share and fun experience it all this summer in a new rv from carefree rv trade up to the perfect bunk model from reputable brands like winnebago at forest river so many floor plans and payments starting at just 53 dollars bi-weekly plus one free year of coach net warranty on all rvs carefree rv open seven days a week in edmonton and laduke online carefreerv.ca Brent Griffiths and Robin Brownlee, it's our premiere edition of The Outsiders. Uh, two sports guys who've been on the inside or on the outside, but still have access to the inside. Is that the best way to word that? Is it, what did you just say? Hang on, never mind. It's not important. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it was great uh, talking to Chris Cuthbert. Yeah, sure. Brag, brag, brag. <laughs> I tell you what, you get a guy like Chris who's so good on the mic, uh, and just as good away from the mic, I know that tends to be a cliche, uh, but it's true. Uh, he's not comfortable uh, talking up his own game, but I tell you what, if you've listened to his game over all these years, you know how good Chris Cuthbert is. Hey, you pointed it out. I'll let people hear it. He talked about this one. Messier gives it away. Here's Fleury looking for his first goal of the series. Scores! And Theo was writhing around at center ice at the Northlands Coliseum. It was, it was a hell of a moment. It was quite funny, and it was a big goal, and to push it to seven and deciding games, and Chris had a great story there. And the, the, uh, the other one we talked about, uh, you and I were talking about the fact that uh, Connor McDavid is going to have a lot of memorable moments as well. There was a playoff round against Anaheim, and I still think it's probably one of Connor's most memorable goals. And Chris, of course, once again, there to make that call. And he's got it now. He'll swing it away. What move? Shooting. McWow. And the game is tied. He can play down all he wants, but as I said, he's on my top ten numerous times, so uh, great to have him on the show today. We'll have to get Theo on the show, actually, at some point. Oh, we can do that. Yeah. McWow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Pretty fantastic. So was this okay for you today? Oh, I enjoyed every minute of it. It's really easy on the opening show when you're a little nervous about getting back at it a little bit, 
And then you have a guest like that on who's got a million stories and has got some great takes on what's going on, especially with the Canadian Football League. I think he's right. We don't want to overpanic, but we might have to reassess just a little bit. But I, I thought it was fun today, and thanks for your time. Uh, don't thank me. I'm going to be hanging around here until you push me out the door. Okay, well, one other thing we want to tell people, if you have a comment or two on our show, our podcast, please don't hesitate to drop us an email at mightymouth.com at shaw.ca that's mighty mouth at shaw.ca i'll get back to everybody and uh, robin and i will do what we can to get if you have a guest suggestion too, get a hold of us at that email address and we'll do what we can if you uh if there's something else you want to hear also tell us simple as that and if you're gonna rip bren just send me a dm we'll get it on somehow (laughs) okay thanks that is podcast number one and we appreciate your time everybody have yourself a great day proceeding was recorded earlier because we were ashamed to do it now